0: Welcome to episode 541 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and joined with me on today's show is Big Willy. How you doing, man?
1: Hey, mate. How's things? Mr. William
0: Tomkinson. Good. Better than you? Uh,
1: I'm still... I don't know. Still got the I've dreaded had, lurgy. Um, I've had four blood tests in eight days, and uh, they still don't know what's going on. Eh? There's something something funky happening, but hey, you know, I'll persevere. Must have been a big prick then. No, it was just several small ones. <laughs> a bunch of pricks. Um I actually bruised. I've never bruised before, but because I had so many all at once I actually ended up bruising.
0: Uh yeah, my dad's on uh, blood thinners and he just bruises everywhere just walking around now.
1: Mm, yeah, it's a bit of an issue, but uh I don't know. I just basically I'm just my white cell count is just like through the roof, which generally means there's an infection. Yep. Um And when I thought I had the flu last time I was on, I had absolutely no, after the blood test, had no signs of having the flu or cold or anything like that from the blood test. So I never actually had that. I've had an infection from the word go, but they don't know what it is. That sucks. So mm, so that's fun. You just have to drink lots of whiskey. Well, the problem is I can't with antibiotics I'm on. I'm on Uh... like the second strongest antibiotics they make. It's not like um,
0: erythromycin or something. And
1: uh, some, we that's about as long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't have it down here, but I went to uh, my father-in-law's retirement party. Yep. Last weekend, and I thought we got at the the head of the bowls club. And we got at the bowls club at like five o'clock. I thought, okay, I'll just have this one one drink. I have to have a drink to yep. you know, celebrate his retirement. I had a tequila and soda water because yep. I do that sometimes. Um, and just single shot tequila and a massive, like the biggest glass they make of soda water. Yeah, and by the time I got halfway through the glass, I was half cut. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is, I've got to drive home later. So I ended up only having <laughs> half a glass, and uh, then like four hours later, when we left to go home, I actually started to feel okay. Okay, jeez, so, yeah, it's, it's they turned
0: you into a Cadbury's, man.
1: They say they say to not drink while you're on this, and now I know why. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I had. Uh, I think it was a from and I had one time and nausea out the wazoo. It was terrible.
1: Actually, really, I haven't had any um, side effects from it. Oh, that's good, I, then. I'm, I've been really surprised. Although, having said that, I do drink a lot of water naturally, and I'm making sure I drink even more. So yep. I'm keeping my system flush. flush but yeah, they were. You know, they were saying it's nausea. There can be vomiting. There can be. Ah. Um, I can come out in like a rash. There's a, there's a whole heap of different things. This particular one has side effects. But yep. so far, I've been on two weeks and I've avoided most of them. So, ah, well, Aussie yeah, TechHeads. I, <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> say enough about my medical history. So this week on Aussie medical. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Aussie TechHeads is brought to you by ATH Web Hosting at athwebhosting.com.au. Servers operating on SSD drives immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, easy install, WordPress, Joomla, Andrew Powell. And uh, every time we say Aussie tech heads, Mr. T takes a drink by the look of it.
1: <laughs> no, no yeah, don't do that by the way. That'll end badly for the night. Not, not, uh, not.
0: Looks like, um, unfortunately, Glenn couldn't be with us. He was going to be away today. So he's got Australia. He's
1: up in my part of the world somewhere this week.
0: Yep. Mm. The top two podcasters in Australia are on. So it looks as though he's <laughs> chucked in a letter here, I'm going to assume came to him during the week. It's from Lindsay. Says, Hi Glenn, thanks for the show. Well oh, Glenn's not here, so too bad. Oh no, we might as well do it. Always look <laughs> forward to it. My question is, is it safe to remove the bloat where you get when you buy a notebook? Toshiba. From what I've read the possible reason this almost new notebook is so slow to start, and requires reboot regularly is extra junk, Toshiba have put on there. I've never opened it, so I don't need to want to, but I've heard, I think, Jason say, you can't delete uninstall without dire consequences. Thanks again. Not this, Jason. Delete <laughs> all the it, stuff.
1: There, there is some stuff that's hardwired into, like, their version of Windows that they pre-install, and you can't get rid of. I've got an Acer upstairs.
0: If you try and delete it, it doesn't work. Then it's supposed to be there because they want it there, but if you can delete
1: it, delete it. Yeah. Um, I I spent, the first thing I did when I got that laptop, was I threw AVG on it and I put Chrome on it and then I spent the next four hours uninstalling crapware off it. Yep. Um, I couldn't get rid of things like there was adding Semitech vault and a few other things on there that I could not get rid of. So I formatted and put my own version of windows on there because yeah. I didn't need any of that. If you um, can do I, that, do that. <laughs> but how do I have done that from the start? I would have saved myself four hours. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you can always go into if it's Windows 10, go just run Window MS Config. If you got Windows 10, the startup items, it'll say click here to open the Task Manager, and it's got them there. You can see all the crap that automatically starts. I've got um, Plays TV comes with um, some app, and you could disable them there and try it out. Restart mm-hmm. if it if something goes wonky, just re-enable it. LastPass has got itself in there. iTunes. Google Update Core, Flux, Evernote, Dropbox, AV, Launch for um, Avast, Java Update Scheduler. So there's a ton of stuff in there. Raptor desktop app that comes with, um, I think it's Nvidia cards, isn't it, and all this sort of rubbish that you don't really need. So just get rid of those things and um, disable it. If if your computer still works, fine. If it doesn't, then re-enable it and see how you go
1: there is another issue there is another reason it might be running slow too and um this is actually an issue with a out-of-the-box system we bought for work for one of the admin computers at work the system itself is a pretty high spec for an office system it's pretty high spec it's like an i7 it's got you know like a two gig video card like 16 gig of ram but it's got a two terabyte hard drive but it's a 5400 rpm uh. and it's the I can't think what it is. It's a Western Digital uh, storage drive. It's the one they use in DVRs. So it's a dog slow drive. And you bring up the system manager and you look at the hard drive, and the hard drive is just constantly maxed all the time just because it cannot keep up with what the system wants it to do. It'll be good quality
0: um, and reliable, but it's not going to be fast.
1: That's right. It, I mean, it's, it's bulletproof. The system will never have a hard drive failure. Yep. value. But it's Make an
0: SSD in for at least your boot-up drive. Keep the other one there, but... If you can yeah. do it, some 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 laptops you can actually take out the uh C D or D V D drive and put did in SSD instead.
1: The other thing I what I did do with this system at work to make it faster is I disabled the um obviously turned off all the themes and all that sort of stuff because that saves system resources, but I disabled uh hibernation and suspend. Um and there's actually a command you can do in um, command.com in the in the back end to actually stop it from writing those files because what it does with the suspend file and the Hibernate file is it's always writing and always updating those files. Um, the same as the, the backup file, even though you might only have your system set to back up every week, the automatic backup file is constantly being updated. So when it needs to come to actually write that file, the file is pretty much complete. It doesn't have to waste time doing it. Um, So by turning off the system back up and turning off hibernation and suspend, it made a big difference to the performance of the hard drive as well. So yes, the crap wears on the system. Yes, it's a pain in the ass. And yes, you can generally get rid of it, but it's not necessarily the only reason a new system runs slowly.
0: Yep. Give those things a go, but SSD for the win at all times. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, if if you don't need bulk storage, especially on laptop, SSDs are great. If you require huge amounts of storage uh, on the laptop, not an external drive, but actually on the laptop, then okay, you're going to be in, in sort of in trouble for that. You have to stick with a spinning disk. But there's also various levels of spinning disks. There's you know faster drive, faster read and write time drives. Hybrid fusion ones. So actually, the hybrid drives look pretty neat. They've got a small SSD drive attached to them, which does all the pre-caching and buffering and stuff. And yeah. then it's got the actual drive attached to them. I I know they're faster. Well, they're, yeah, they're in between. They're faster than a standard spinning drive, but not as fast as an SSD. Actually, speaking of that, did you see um, Glenn put up on the Aussie Tech um a couple of days ago about the new um, drive that's being released? 12 terabytes. The 12 terabyte drive. Put there by that's, me. Thank you very much. Was it you? Sorry. Yeah. Well, see, this is a problem when we post under Aussie Techheads. We don't know who actually puts it up. <laughs> um, the problem with that drive... I got a couple of issues with it. One is have you seen the price on that thing? Huge. It's like fifteen hundred US. <laughs> Huge. Um, the other issue is it's dog slow because it's designed as a part, partial drive in the NAS system. It's not uh, designed right. to be used by itself. Yep. So it's designed to be striped or rated. So the actual it has a multi platter write, so it staggers it has staggered heads that write to each platter, but what that means is it can only write in one linear motion at a time. And it really, really is dog slow. So, unless you specifically want bulk storage, it's completely useless. Having said that, I have a NAS that has three or four, two terabyte drives in it. Yep. The NAS cost me like, I don't know, 200. 150 bucks or something a few years ago. And the drives, every couple of years, I just update, and they've slowly gone from like, 500 gig drives to one terabyte to two terabyte drives. Yep. Yeah.
0: And I've yeah, got two, two, possibly, two you know, terabyte drives in my NAS, but I really need to get one or two other ones just for redundancy purposes. Yeah.
1: And, you know, it's like 500 bucks or something, and you're achieving the same goal. It's faster. <laughs> it's accessible by multiple computers and uh, it's cheaper. So I don't understand. I guess their market would be for massive, big server rooms. Just for huge data dumps, I guess. But I can't really understand a corporation going, hey, let's update our 60 servers we have that have all got four terabyte drives in them and let's put 12 terabyte drives in all of them and spend $1,500 a drive to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I I can't see them doing that, to be honest. I'd just add. Eventually, the price will come
0: down. Yeah.
1: Well. But so I thought, now this is, this is interesting actually because remember a few years ago when um, Japan got hit by the earthquake yep. and suddenly spinning drives became really really expensive and SSDs became cheap because the Neodidium magnet factory basically got washed away yep. um, for years I was talking about how spinning drives were going to go away and SSDs were going to make a comeback but in the last 12 months there's been some stupid fast spinning drives hit the market Yeah, and people just want the
0: the um, cheaper ones.
1: Well, that's it. Um, They've slowly priced themselves back into the market again. But I don't understand this 12 terabyte drive. Does just doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't understand where it's supposed to fit. It's not going to fit in a commercial in a residential situation. It's not going to fit in a standard commercial situation because they're already going to have their storage solutions in place. Yeah, it's not going to fit in an industrial. Um, data farm because they're not going to spend that much money to make because they they rely on the cheapest storage options possible and you can buy if you buy a four terabyte drive you can buy like six four terabyte drives for the same price as 112 terabyte so might as well <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense that this drive doesn't have a home I, I can't understand it anyway that's slightly off the point but yeah i found that interesting
0: yeah so there you go. That should hopefully help with your slow Toshiba. Let's yeah, get it. Yeah, don't buy twelve terabyte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Highly recommended by Will.
1: <laughs> yeah, highly recommended. Not to buy twelve terabyte
0: both. <laughs> uh, how how the NotPetya cyber attack spread from the Ukraine and why it might still be a threat. The Ukrainian software firm used to launch last week's global cyber attack has warned that all computers sharing a network with its infected accounting software had been compromised by hackers. The attack used a virus, dubbed NotPetya by some experts, to take down thousands of computers in dozens of countries, disrupting shipping and businesses. Investigators now say that the hack may be far more nefarious than previously thought. A video released by Ukrainian police show marks, masked men in combat fatigues and armed with assault rifles raiding the offices of software developer Intellect Service this week after cybersecurity researchers said they had found a backdoor written into some of the updates issued by its ME-Doc accounting software. ME-Doc is used by 80% of Ukrainian companies and installed on about 1 million computers in the country. Interior Minister Arsene... Really? <laughs> cool. Arsene Avakov. Dude, that guy is like hardcore. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Arsen Avakov said the police had blocked a second cyber attack from servers hosting the software. The company previously denied its servers had been compromised, but when asked after the police raid whether a backdoor had been inserted, chief executive Olesa where? Bilosova said yes, there was, and the fact is this backdoor needs to be closed. Any computer on the same network as machines using ME-Doc was now vulnerable to another attack, she said. I'm looking through the analysis that has been done on the doc server, and from what I'm seeing, that's worrying. Worrying is a very light word for this, he said. How many backdoors are still open? We don't know. He also said doc servers had not been updated since 2013, providing some indication as to how the hackers were able to access the system. Intellect servers said Shmikiv's comments referred to a disk used to store MEDOC software updates. So the hackers get some.
1: Maybe they need twelve watt terabyte drives. Yep. <laughs> this is actual footage from taken from the raid.
0: And they this they haven't updated their server since twenty thirteen. Serious. <laughs> Who do they think they are? The ATO? Whose computers went down though. this week? And nobody <sighs> could put their taxes in?
1: Yeah, the well so did um Oh, it's a government run organization I expect, same as uh <laughs> what Medicare got hacked. Yep, yep. I'm sorry, I'm just intrigued by this video. It's interesting. Anyway. Um if you search for um uh if you search for um Ukraine cyber cop raid video. Yep. Um it's four or five minutes long and it actually it's really interesting. Um the video and it shows you a lot of the you know what what looks like a normal business, but then they find all this other stuff. So, ah, mm. but uh, they saying too apparently Kapersky Lab Analyst, um, was saying that the bitcoins collected in the in the because part of the deal of this was to collect bitcoins from it. Um, they're saying the bitcoins that were collected in the original attack have been withdrawn, uh huh. Um, And the original owners have been reimbursed so i guess that's a good thing about having a bitcoin that's fully traceable which (laughs) you can just cancel it and give it back yeah that's uh yeah that was interesting you got Um, any stories for us mr t if if you see me ducking around i have a i have this camera tripod right smack bang in the middle of this monitor so sometimes when i got to get to a tab i've got to just look around it it wasn't the the best idea but it was the best (laughs) i could do on short notice. Um, so, speaking of, of hacks and, and whatnot, WannaCry, now we talked about WannaCry a couple weeks ago, how it infected the Victorian um, speed cameras. Yes. Yeah. So, the Victorian police have suspended 8,000 tickets issued for speed and red light infringements after finding the WannaCry ransomware that had originally infected 55 road safety cameras, apparently has infected just about all of them.
0: Yay!
1: Way to go, so WannaCry. So, basically, any red light camera in Victoria, um, sorry, any um, speed camera in Victoria um, can no longer be enforced. How long's um, that
0: till? How long can we keep speeding?
1: It's until they. Now, this is what they're saying, and then I'll tell you what they actually mean. What they're saying is that the infringement notices have not been cancelled, they've been placed on hold and can be reissued once the camera's accuracy has been ascertained. In reality, what they're saying is we've had to cancel them because we can't ascertain the, real, the reliability of these cameras. Once the cameras are cleaned up and then we ascertain that they're accurate again, you won't get a fine because you can't be issued the fine because it was a false fine in the first place. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> until they get every single camera recertified, um, they can't. But you can't get done for speeding. But what's going to happen to all that anyway.
0: lovely government revenue?
1: Oh, don't worry. They'll bring in like triple, you know, triple fine weekend or something, and make it back pretty quick. <laughs> They'll um, hit the jackpot. Yeah, pretty much. That's, they won't have any trouble making money out of that. <sighs> but um, what was funny is I said all of the state's two hundred and eighty cameras have been subject to maintenance by the same firm, so it likely involved the same. Um, it likely involved the same USB stick to update the firmware. <laughs> So apparently, there's one USB stick that an employer, the company, decided to use to update the firmware. Who doesn't have antivirus? <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Or a
0: firewall.
1: <laughs> Why is the computer that's updating the firmware on the internet in the first place? Is my question.
0: I wonder if he's flipping burgers now. <laughs>
1: um. What's funny is they say that um. Uh. The. The use the what's that? What are they saying? The original installation or the, the installation of the original 97 cameras that were infected have not been able to identify as to who did it, apparently. <laughs> so, it was probably the boss on a Friday afternoon about to go home. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's quite funny. But yeah, that's so basically... No way to
0: know. It's not possible.
1: So, basically, if you're in Victoria and you get done by a fixed speeding camera, don't worry about it. Yeah. you could good. <laughs>
0: and if you if you do get in trouble from it just cite Will from this podcast saying don't worry about it and they'll let you off
1: just say I want to cry about it but <laughs> I can't <laughs> uh, speaking of um, well we're talking about hacks and, and issues yep this is a classic and I'll switch to my camera good segue government blames Medicare breach on traditional crims no hacks so <laughs> What they're basically saying, yeah, the federal government says there's been no breach of the Department of Human Services, IT systems, and Medicare card data on sale, <coughs> oh, likely affects only a oh. small number of people. Sorry, I had a bit like, of a like, cough like, there. Um, the, the online site confirmed by two News claims that Medicare patent de- patient, patient details... Why is patient and patent so close? That is patent. They've got the wrong word in there. <laughs> patent.
0: I wonder, patent. The patent
1: details. Medicare patent details. Um, Any Australian citizen can be accessed for $29 in the person's first and last name and date of birth. Uh, Details provided include Medicare number, IRN, and expiry date. The vendor also promised to soon offer mass batch requesting of details via CSV in terms of access through the vulnerability with a solid foundation. The federal government today sought to downplay the impact of the security breach, arguing health records had not been affected. Yet. Them being affected has nothing to do with them being available. They're two entirely different things, people. Yeah, but they're not affected, so don't worry about it. These are not the breach <laughs> you're looking for. Yeah, that's it. Um, but the suggestion, according to Tudge, what's his name, Tudge? Yeah, Human Services Minister Alan Tudge, T-U-D-G-E. He's
0: not as good as arson.
1: <laughs> Said there was no indication there had been a scale, had been a wide-scale breach the suggestions and numbers are very small and we're talking about the acquisition of Medicare card numbers only. Well, no, we're not. Because for $29, you can buy the person's details. Yep. Uh, and it's been proven. People have done it to make sure it's actually a thing. Yep, journalists. Um, yeah. Um, and according to... And this is the other thing. It's a lot of crap. He says that nobody's health records can be attained with just a Medicare card number. What's the first thing a doctor surgery does? Have you got your you Medicare card there? Thanks. Have you got your Medicare card there? Yep. Cool. We just want to verify your details. Is this your name? Is this your address? And is this your phone number? Yep. Yes. Cool. That's right. Can you repeat that so, into this microphone for me? Yeah. So right there tells me that this guy has absolutely no clue of how his own system functions. That's why he's in <laughs> charge he's
0: the- of it. He's the best person.
1: <laughs> The guy in charge of the Medicare system doesn't know how it operates. <laughs> all you need to do is give them. Actually, now my doctor surgery I go to actually has a touchscreen out the front of the doctor. Oh, at the receptionist, so you can yep. either book online or you can go in and book um, there. If you put your Medicare number in, it brings up all your patient information. Ah, so it anyone can up, access it. It brings up your your name, your date of birth, your uh, address, your phone number, your future appointment, your previous appointments. Can I take those details
0: and go ring up your bank. Hi, hello, this is um Will um, Tomkinson. Yes. Yeah. Date of birth. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I would like to transfer all the monies to this other account.
1: Yeah, that's it. And this is the thing, like they're saying that this was a low scale attack with no vulnerability no chance of anybody getting your details and the other thing they're saying which doesn't make any sense um according to this minister guy he says it's more likely the fraud activities like card skimming were used nobody ever in the history of medicare has swiped a medicare card (laughs) this
0: guy has no idea about anything he just gets paid a lot of monies to talk on camera every now and then. It's all right. Just settle down. Take a chill pill. Just because uh, everybody like- can access all of your stuff, don't worry about it. This happens no, all the time in America.
1: No, yeah, exactly. And look, they are fine. Um, another thing is there's actually a... Excuse me, I need to cough for a second. <coughs> uh, I'm going to be doing that a lot during the show. Um... There's actually a Medicare verification service for healthcare providers. So people like doctor surgeries and whatnot have access to this, which means you walk into any hospital when they're busy and go and sit in front of the terminal. that's currently not occupied. You've got access to it. Yep. Um, and all you need to do is if you don't know a number, you can put in, or well, if you put in a Medicare number that's not valid, it will give you the next closest one, which will then give you the details of that person. I'm reading off their website here. Um, and if you don't know a Medicare number, you put in the name or the address or the phone number of this person and it will give you their Medicare number. Oh, it's handy. <laughs> um, so It's very
0: helpful. I don't know why you're so down on this all the time. Come on, <laughs> Mr. Downer.
1: Um, the funny thing is... the. There's a guy, um, well, actually, I think it's a female. And, uh, privacy expert Anna Johnson of Salinger Privacy who worked with the on the assessment said the addition of the Medicare number originally was intended to stop healthcare workers from trawling through the system to look up people who weren't in their practice. So, but now, these okay. days, all that is required to find out somebody's Medicare number, whether lawfully or otherwise is their full name or date of birth or phone number. And the system will then match up their Medicare number to that.
0: Cool. That's very <laughs> handy, don't you think?
1: So, um, and according to this news story, which was on the, when was this published, does it say? July 4th. So July 4th was actually, this story was the day after it, because I remember reading about it the day before that.
0: Happy Independence Day
1: um it says the australian fed the australian federal government isn't that kind of redundant uh, anyway. yeah <laughs> um became aware of the problem today and we'll be contacting our office soon with information on the matter so 48 hours after this breach actually occurred the government became aware of it yep that's pretty fast well, in governments not, not 48 hours after the breach occurred 48 hours after it hit the media about the breach that had occurred possibly, who knows how long, earlier. Yep.
0: That's pretty fast for, you know, governments. (laughs) Uh... To go along with your story, government departments warned staff not to accept Medicare cards as a form of identity proof after reports surfaced that card numbers were being sold on the dark web. An internal memo sent to Australian tax office staff advised them not to accept Medicare cards as proof of identity until further notice. As a result of recent media coverage on Medicare card details being sold on the dark web, the Medicare card has been removed from the list of DVS documents until further notice. Effective immediately do not accept this item of proof as the PORO, proof of record ownership process, it said. The ATO then reportedly backtracked on the directive shortly after. Blaming confusion <coughs> now you're affecting me. Blaming confusion between it and the government on how to deal with the dark web breach. Human Services Minister Mr Tudge again confirmed on Tuesday that the sale of Australians Medicare card numbers on the dark web had been referred to Australian Federal Police for a further investigation. Mr Tudge, it was believed the information was being obtained by, as you said, traditional criminal activity rather than a cyber attack. He would not clarify the matter was being investigated by police, but said to believe very small numbers of card details had been obtained. And just so happened that randomly, the details of a journalist who was investigating this—he was one of those very small number of people.
1: Yeah. Now this is what I find funny about the whole identification thing. You can use your bank card. You can use, well, okay, even less than that, you can use your Medicare card. Yep. You can use a bill yep. and you can use your birth certificate. Yep. None of which even have your signature on it, nope. let alone your phone photo. number. Uh, your, your photo. Then you can use your bank card. You can use a credit card, things like that. Um, store cards are now accepted, um, which are slightly better because they have your signature on it. Yep. If you've chosen to sign them, yep. Which you don't have to And do. then you actually can't just use your driver's licence, which is the only one that actually has your photo and your signature and your details on it. <sighs> huh? Like when I went to get my replacement but um replacement marriage certificate that I may or may not have lost. <laughs> um and which got uh, there's actually a funny story behind that. Don't I'd tell Son. <laughs> no well we thought we put it aside somewhere and then we we're trying to find it and we couldn't find it anywhere. And I was having a clean out. And I sold a whole heap of old computer gear, old scanners, printers, copiers, fax machines, monitors, laptops, you know, this guy can pick the whole lot up for like a hundred bucks. And he rings me the next morning and goes, um, are you after your, medic- your uh, marriage certificate? Because I just found it in one of the scanners. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're trying to get our marriage certificate. So I had to get my birth certificate. So in order to get my birth certificate, I rang up the New South Wales, birth, death, and marriage. I said, can I have a copy of my birth certificate, please? They went, yep. What's your name? What's your, fi- What's your date of birth? Told them my name, told them my date of birth. They go, yep, no worries. I'll send one out to you. Give us 30, 30 bucks. What address would you, know, you like? Yeah, what address do you want it sent to? One, two, Not, three, dodgy you
0: know. way, New South Wales.
1: So, so to start to get this whole process rolling, I've just ordered my birth certificate over the phone or somebody else's. I now have that proof of income. I now go to settling and say, hey, I'm a vagrant, give me money. Here's my proof of ID. They then give me money. I now have a CRN and I have ID from them. And now I have ID from them and I have my birth certificate. So now I go and get my driver's license. So now I've got three forms of ID. I then go get my Medicare card. I then go get my credit card. I then go get my bank card. So within a week, you're now somebody else with absolutely no effort, How secure is that? Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I was saying to people, and this applies to this Medicare breach. It applies in general. We don't have privacy anymore. The best thing you can do to avoid being identity frauded or being ripped off or having your personality, having your um, Facebook hacked or having been taken over or copied is to be as public as possible. You need to be on YouTube, you need to be on Twitter, you need to be on Facebook, you need to have all these accounts set up, even if you don't use them, you need to have them. And then you need to use things like Facebook so that you have followers and those followers over time will get to know you, they'll know your patterns, they'll know your postings, they'll know what you do and who you are. If suddenly that changes and becomes random and different, then they know that it's not you. Yep. And the only way they're going to know that is for you to get out there. If you go, oh, but I value my privacy. I'm not going to have any of those social media things. I'm not going to have an email address. I don't want a mobile phone. I don't want to know about it. Well, you're the exact target that they're going to use because you have no online history yep. and it makes it really, really easy for them to create it for you.
0: <laughs> so, so if Will starts posting about discount ray next week? Mm,
1: not entirely unusual. <laughs>
0: I, that's the one I see most common if somebody's yeah, account you, right? gets taken.
1: Discount ray 10% off, well, click here. Work well, from home, earn $10,000 a week, yeah.
0: Uh, okay. Um, tech savvy Australians are being held back by expensive slow broadband connections. Who would have thunk?
1: No, really. Australians
0: lag behind New Zealand and Iceland when it comes to being connected. I can think, there's I, I can see thing.
1: Three people on a budgie in Iceland.
0: See, there's Australian, <laughs> there's New Zealand, land and Iceland. So you have to have land <laughs> in your name before you can get fast internet.
1: Well, we were gone. One land. Does that count? Yeah.
0: Great Southern
1: <laughs> Land. <laughs> because no, uh, we're we're girt, We're girt by girt sea, by so it s- must be land. Nobody knows what that means. So rounded for those of you who are playing along at home.
0: <laughs> because while we're among the world's most prolific technology users, embracing everything from smartphones to smart fridges, expensive and slow broadband connections are holding us back. The lack of world-class internet connections pushed Australia's digital readiness down beneath the likes of New Zealand and Iceland, according to a new report from Ernst & Young. This despite Australians embracing new, embracing new trends, including music and TV streaming, and adopting more devices than ever. The Digital Australia Station of the Nation report, which surveys more than 1,551 people and 131 digital opinion leaders, placed Australia in the 18th spot for digital readiness worldwide, falling two places from last year. While our use of mobile broadband internet connections boosted Australia's ranking, it was brought down by the cost of fixed broadband connections, the report found, and slow download speeds. As the world's 13th largest mixed market economy, boasting a day rating from all three global rating agencies, Australia should be further up the global digital rankings, the report said. However, Australia remains caught in the shadow of other advanced nations. The cost of Australian broadband connections was rated at 57th out of 139 countries, while download speed put the country in the 50th spot well below other nations in Asia Pacific. Of course, because our monopoly tv and uh cable companies do not want people using netflix and stuff because there goes their revenue
1: well there's another story there too but um i got a phone call from telstra which is odd because i'm with foxtel so it took me a couple minutes to put two and two together but i got a phone call from telstra last week a week before yep no last week and uh they said oh we're just ringing you about your uh, nbn I went yeah I'm already with the nbn yeah yeah we know we you've been put on the whatever it is forty one hundred plan or whatever it's supposed to be, but yeah, and they're like, well, you can't get those speeds where you are I'm like yeah. and, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, we're just reassessing everybody's available bandwidth, and um we've decided that you're only more like twenty or whatever that decided it was. And I went, um, actually, mine's the other way around. I'm more like 30 up and 20 down. <laughs> and like, oh, well, we don't really have a thing for that, but we're going to put you on the the twenty forty or whatever it is. Yep. Um, and I said, so is my bill going to go down, you know, to reflect the slower speeds? Oh, no, it's still the same price.
0: What?
1: <laughs> and of course it is. I said, well, how about you put the, beat, the speed boost on it? Oh, you're not eligible for the speed boost because you're not on the 4100 pack. <laughs> we just took you off it. Pool, got <laughs> you, son. <laughs> like, for shit's sake. So, do something. He went, Well, said, so the best I can do. He said, I can't actually change your plan. He said, The only thing I can do is I'll add a $5 credit per month. Well, it's better than nothing, as well. It's, enough,
0: <laughs> it's something.
1: Um, but yeah, speaking of, you know, Netflix and. Stan, Stan and the Skype and all these online services that nobody thought would make any difference when the Netflix tax was introduced. Well, guess what? It has, and all their prices are going up. And eBay. I got an email, yeah, well, eBay um, is, is PayPal in general, uh, with overseas transactions. eBay sent me a notice the other day saying they're doing it, and I just received one from Skype today. Yep, me too. Um, saying that as of 1st of July, 2017, online services such as Skype are required to change the Australian G S T charge the Australian G S T rate of ten percent on all purchases on all digital products. Um, so it basically means if you have a subscription cost with the basic subscription cost, I think to let you call out and call in, have a Skype number on that sort of stuff it's about twenty two sixty. That will now be twenty four sixty. So you know it's a couple of bucks. But the fact of the matter is it's a digital service that's not even based in this country and it has no effect on the way this country runs. The only reason they're doing GST is so the government can make more money from it. That's it. There is no other reason. It's pure revenue. It has no follow on effect. It's not going to benefit in any way. It's not going to be put into infrastructure. It's just going into the coffers. And the other issue I have with it is that, um, it's set a precedent now, uh, Adobe, um, put their adobe online which is their photoshop in the room and which is already ridiculously
0: insanely high price for australia only
1: yeah that's right it went up 20 percent last last month or whenever they put it up because they said if we want the service we'll pay for it yep instead of the government introducing it and now that's going to go up again because now there's going to be gst added on that <laughs> yeah so instead of the government introducing the GST, why doesn't the government get on top of this price fixing and say, well, look, we're part of the world too. We're no different than any other country. And as a digital service, not like a cost you more to sanity, do something about the pricing. But no, because they the actually government, want it to be as dear as possible. The government is the friend of
0: business and the enemy of consumer. They're guess, not here to help up. consumers. They don't give a damn about consumers.
1: And like, the funny thing is, like, I use I don't use eBay anyway. I use AliExpress for ninety five percent of ah. my purchases, or DHgate, or um, uh, Oo, or there's a, there's a few others. They're all Chinese, and basically every single one of them's told the government to go away. <laughs> <laughs> We're not interested, and the government goes, "We'll ban you from shipping." They went, "No, oh, you won't." <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, Somebody can, needs to make know. a website. The following <laughs> companies and websites. Uh, not cow towing <coughs> to the government's ridiculous tax mm-hmm. buy your stuff here
1: basically and and um, host
0: it on american server because the government... <laughs> Shut
1: it down. Yeah, it. the funny thing is we you host it on um on one of the alternates to pirate bay um the funny thing is at work we used to use ebay a lot yep. uh to purchase stuff random stuff um and some plugs and crimp connectors and just you know, stuff that wasn't worth ordering through a supplier because of minimum order quantities and stuff like that. Uh, mainly stuff we use in the workshop and whatever, and we'd order it through eBay or stuff like that. Yep. Now that they've introduced their ten percent, we're now ordering it not from Australian companies. We're now ordering it from China companies on on AliExpress. <laughs> not only are they cheaper in the first place, which we're prepared to deal with, yep. but now they're even cheaper than they were because of the stupid GST thing, and because there's something we're not reselling it's not a consumable product per se. It's something we use in the workshop, so that's a, a tax write-off. Yeah. The GST rebate doesn't apply as if we were selling the product. So we're actually 10% better off by buying it from AliExpress than we are by, which doesn't sound like a lot. You know, you buy $10 worth of connectors here and $10 worth of connectors there, but all you do up. that all year. And okay, it's, it's a dollar you know, here and five, 50 cents there and $3 there, but you do that all year that's you know five six hundred dollars extra we've spent on consumables yep. that we've just used in that workshop so i now no longer have an incentive to buy through ebay and potentially through an australian company yep um who admittedly drop shipped from china anyway but you were still paying you weren't paying gst ten stuff because it, they were technically situated in china but a lot of them actually had drop shipping, or they had a local warehouse, so you got the stuff relatively quickly. Right. Um, that's the only thing now. I've got to wait longer for it to turn up. The stuff still turns up, it can turn up in as much as a week and a half from China anyway. Yep. Um. So as a small business, that's hurt us because we're using VoIP phone systems, yeah, which are completely, you know, completely digital, completely irrelevant. Um. And the hosting company we, we were using, because i set it all up, we just needed somebody to manage the numbers it was an overseas company. Yep. Now, because there's no Australian company, that's worth a pinch of salt that knows how to do IP communications. No. Um, now we've got to pay GST on that. So suddenly, our phone bill has gone up by, you know, whatever it is 60 bucks a, a month or whatever it works out to um, as well. So this isn't just a small little inconsequential little thing. It's got this huge follow on effect that people don't realize and don't see. Oh, the government doesn't care either way. They get their money out of it. Yeah. Great. That's all but want. what it now means is we now have to put up our prices because the government decided they want extra money.
0: Well, just be happy that all that extra money is going to be funding schools and helping uh, education, well, medical services. Well, Whale watching, While watching first class coal flights mines,
1: <laughs> lithium mining, yep. um, lead mining, all that um, stuff. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know that's kind of a bit of a tangent in the rant, but it's just, it's, the, the problem, yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's for another show.
0: Next, Volvo <laughs> has announced that starting in 2019, all of the new models it produces will be electric or hybrid. From a report, this announcement marks the end of the sole combustion engine-powered car. The Volvo President Chief Executive said in a statement, Volvo Cars has stated that its plans to have sold a total of 1 million electrified cars by 2025. When we said it, we meant it. This is how we're going to do it. The move makes Volvo the first traditional automaker to set a date to phase out cars powered only by internal combustion engines. The company said it will launch five fully electric cars between 2019 and 2021. Three of these will be Volvos and two will be sold under the company's Polestar electrified
1: performance brand. I mean, that's kind of a forced uh, a forced thing though, because by... 2020 I think it was all car manufacturers are required to have either an EV or a hybrid anyway so oh, I didn't know that one it's not like it's um, <laughs> it's not like it's completely uncalled for uh, but the fact that um, to, Toyota's working on the same thing the whole reason they introduced the Prius initially was to say look you can have an affordable reliable economical hybrid yeah the and then that's proved itself and most Priuses have over a million Ks on them without any problems at all um then they did the Camry the Camry was a slightly different design different drive line had lithium packs instead of nickel metal hydride packs It was more streamlined it was all based center line so it was all flat it was all packed flat and the reason they did that was they wanted a common base that they could then put the bodies of all their different vehicles on this common base, ah. um, which is still their goal. So by tw- by I think it's about 2020, they're going to have a platform upon which they can add a van, they can add an SUV, they can add a Camry, they can add a Prius, they can add all these different bodies to effectively the same, okay, you've got to modify the width a little bit and the length a little bit, but effectively it's going to be the same floor pan and chassis and electrical layout design yep. that's literally going to just drop a body on top of it and you're going to have your hybrid car or your fully electric car um so it's a lot of manufacturers are working towards that uh independently of the fact that they have to do it Uh, and speaking of electric cars actually tesla announced a couple of days ago their model three which is their their latest um beautiful their latest car the thing with the model three it's tesla every car prior to this has been bespoke, which basically means it's been handmade, it's been crafted by the techs, been assembled by hand. They have had some production on facilities, but for the most part, it's been done by hand. They now have their Gigafactory set up, which a lot of that production is battery cells, yep. um, and which they use the 18650 cells, which are basically the standard cells. Anybody who vapes or anybody who has uh, a lot of standard lithium cells that's the most common size so it's, it's relatively you know it's available everywhere effectively uh all your laptop battery packs they all run these right um so the gigafactory is set up to run run that and then the other half is a production line and the model three is the first production line assembled mass-produced car they're making oh nice the advantage of that it's got a couple of things. One is that now has 345 Ks of range instead of, I think the last model was 250 something like that. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing about it is now what it means is the price has gone from a hundred thousand U.S. to 35,000 U.S. Nice. So, which is going to make this about, you know, fifty-sixty $60,000 Australian car. I better
0: start saving.
1: Whereas previously it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car, so it still sounds like a lot of money, but what you get with this thing is amazing. It's three hundred forty five k. It seats five adults, no problem at all. They have their supercharging network around Australia now, which is all their charge points, which are free to use. As a Tesla owner, uh, and I think it takes it's free about for an hour, t- doesn't it? I think it's free for the first two years, and then you pay almost nothing for it from that point on. Um, and all their charging
0: stuff- stations are going to be solar powered now.
1: We're, we're practical. Yeah. Hmm. The supercharger. So there's, there's there's three ways of charging uh, a Tesla. There's the normal plug it in at home with an extension lead charge, Overnight. which is the slowest way of doing it. Uh, in the States, it's worse because they're only 110 volt. Over here, at least we're 240. Yep. So it'll charge, I think it's from a dead pack to a full pack. I think it's something like 18 hours. Um, but you would normally just use that for a couple of hours put enough charge in it to go to a supercharger Um, then the next one is the home installation point which i usually install solar panels for and it's basically almost a supercharger that's mounted to your wall Uh, and then it will charge the car i think it charges it in six or eight hours and then you can go to the supercharger which is at usually at truck stops or at cafes or it's usually points of interest where you can go and do something for an hour and a half to two hours yeah they got some down
0: on the central coast just a bank of them you just park your car there go in, get a coffee or something
1: yep and don't this is and there's, there's already issues with this because a lot of the time they put them in shopping centers and there's big supercharger electric car parking only signs everywhere uh, and there's big signs that say no ICE cars, which is internal combustion engines, which is basically a standard car. Yeah. But you can guarantee...
0: Someone's going to park there.
1: Eight of the 10 bays are taken out with standard cars. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a bad education, effectively. It's becoming less of a problem in the States now that people are aware of it. But over here, because it's a relatively unspoken of thing, uh, people just ignore it and they park there anyway, and you've got nowhere to charge your car, you know. Yeah, I've got uh, no so, idea
0: of any supermarkets in Australia that have got um, superchargers.
1: Uh, there is some. Um, I could actually go and kind of have a look. It's on the on the uh, website supercharger here.
0: Superchargerfinder.com or something?
1: Uh, yeah, well, you can go to the tesla.com as well, slash charging. Um, yeah, so you can get up to 200. So it does the bulk of the charge, so up to 80% of the pack. It's up to 270Ks of range in as little as 30 minutes with the supercharger. Um, the neat part is if you've got your trip programmed into the computer, uh, it knows how far the range is and it'll tell you. Oh, you've only got 15 minutes to wait. You know.
0: And it tells you where the next supercharger is on the GPS.
1: Yeah. So apparently I'm in the UK. So let's not be there. What are you
0: doing over there? Having a holiday?
1: So if you if you if you have a look on their map, it's all East Coast. <laughs> oh, well, there is one in not even in Perth it's in Bunbury seriously (laughs) Um, but basically there's the supercharger then there's a destination charger which is like at a motel where you stay overnight a hotel where you stay overnight so there's not much in Victoria but the further up the coast you come of course because any near you there's space close enough that you can do a a Brisbane to Melbourne trip Ah, uh, there is actually what, one. one.
0: recently recently uh, record they went between was it five hundred to six hundred kilometers on a single charge in an electric vehicle.
1: Uh well, yeah, I mean, but that's different. That's when Tesla quote their numbers; they quote real world, every day you can do it every time. Numbers like so, if they say three hundred and fifty k's, that means jump in it, have the have the AC cranking, listen to your music, drive like you stole it. That's real world case. Yep. Um, the same Tesla, nannied with nice warm day where you're not running your aircon or anything like that. You know the battery packs are nice and warm. There's no rolling resistance. There's low humidity to help with the cooling of the engines. No big stuff sort of stuff. The same, yeah, flat highway driving. The same Tesla just did 395 k's. Will now do 500. Yep. So it's all about that and. There's people who brag about their plug-in Prius, for example, which is a standard Prius where they take the motor out, they put a battery pack in the front. Uh, so it's now basically a straight EV, yep. um, which are good for you know, a couple hundred Ks. But the Prius is effectively a wagon. So if you take the back seats out, that entire back area can be filled with battery packs. And you can get six, seven hundred Ks worth of battery into that uh, area. Yep. So it is possible to travel seven or eight hundred Ks on an EV but not anything off the shelf. Yep. yep. Um, People with the Nissan Leaf, they only have a 150k range or something. But once again, people make range extenders. They get a whole bunch of these 18650 lithium cells. Yep. They make themselves a 386 volt pack. You
0: just glue them end to end.
1: Well, effectively. It's not quite that simple, (laughs) but effectively that's what you do. And you throw them in the boot and you hook them up with a set of leads to the existing battery pack. And you built yourself a range extender nice um you know so there's a lot that can be done with them but um yeah so this this, this tesla if you want one throw 50, in, in 1500 bucks we'll get you a deposit yep um they're not expected to be released in australia until mid 2000 until mid next year so you've got 12 months to save up the other 100 grand you need to put on it <laughs> um but uh look i think and I'm going to be shot down for this because I'm in the minority when I think this. Um, electric vehicles are going to be the way of the future. Yep. They're not going to be the only way of the future. There's always going to be a place for internal combustion engine, whether it be where you need necessity power. of hybrid. So you've got the distance, whether it be straight internal combustion engines for things like you know cross country trucking and stuff like that, where you know you you need that sort of thing. Um, Internal combustion engines are going to survive, even if it's with the older generation cars or enthusiasts or collectors. And so they're always going to be around. That's that's not an issue. Um, But I think once prices of... Once electric vehicles get more prolific, the prices will come down to make them to the point where if you live 30Ks out of town and you drive to work every day, you can buy... Well, actually, you can already buy one in India, but you can't register it in Australia because it doesn't have stability control. Um, you can buy an electric vehicle capable of one hundred k range yep. for ten grand. That's all you need. And once you buy it, it effectively costs you nothing from that point on, other than tyres every fifty or sixty thousand k's, and a you know set of windscreen wipers every six months. Yeah, yep. That's literally all. You know, there's okay, there's the cabin air filter, and there's the air filter that keeps the battery packs. Cool. There's a couple of bits of cardboard. Um, it, that's it. The, there is no servicing. There's no brake wear because they do have brakes. If you stand on the brakes really hard, the, the, they will lock up like a normal car. But because they use regeneration to recharge the battery packs, they turn the, basically turn the motor into a braking system. Um, so they don't use brakes. So there's, no, there's no maintenance on an electric vehicle effectively. And once you realise, okay, I can now pay 10 grand for a car that's going to get me to work and back. It's going to cost me. I've got. Four kilowatts of solar on my roof. Anyway, the car's going to cost me effectively nothing to charge. I'm going to need to spend twelve dollars every twelve months to service the car. We'd be stupid not to buy one. Yeah. yeah. Because your next option is a fifteen or a twenty thousand dollar Echo or gets or whatever that you have to still put fuel in every week. You still have to get serviced every six months. You still have to do all this stuff too. Yeah. You look at the you look at the the balance there, and electric cars just make sense. Now people are like, oh, what about the pollution for the battery packs and blah, 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 blah. Not a big deal. There's a ship traveling from Australia to China with lithium on it anyway. It doesn't make any difference regardless of whether or not you buy an electric car. That's going to happen. Yeah. Well, actually, in this case, now that's traveling from Australia to America because they're going straight into the Gigafactory. <laughs> but that, that whole thing's irrelevant. The mining's happening anyway. The transporting's happening anyway. The recycling's, well, and this is the other thing in a weird way, this is going to encourage recycling. Because currently, when a lap, uh, laptop battery pack dies, he says as he reaches behind him to buy a laptop battery pack. Currently, when a laptop battery pack dies, what do you do with it? You chuck it in the bin. Yep. Right. This is a brand new one. that open, by the way.
0: Here's when I so, prepared earlier.
1: <laughs> um. So, but, what's going to happen with the advent of electric vehicles and with electric vehicle components coming down like motors and drive lines and things like that these aren't going to be chucked out anymore into landfill these are going to be going to people who have boxes full of them like that box sitting up behind me that's full of secondhand 18650 cells that i've tested rejuvenated and i'm going to use for a battery pack and that's what's going to happen so There's people who talk about waste and stuff like that. It's irrelevant. The hobbyists and the people who don't have the money or the people who want to make money. If I now take a battery pack, let's say I take a battery pack out of a leaf. No, they don't use these, they use pouches. The Tesla's in, I think off the top of my head that uses these, but a Tesla pack, there's 12 packs in a Tesla and each pack is about $5,000 to replace. If you've got a handful of these, you can then replace the faulty cells in that pack and get the Tesla battery back on the road again. So instead of somebody having to pay $5,000 to get one pack replaced, they now pay some guy 20 bucks a cell and a couple hours labor. And it's
0: slab so would be
1: Yeah, so this guy is now happy because he's got some money out of it. The Tesla owner is now happy because they jump back in their car and drive away again. And the environment's happy because instead of these six cells going into waste, these six cells went into, into a car yeah so there we it's all going to happen and the other upside of it is we're not going to have war over oil anymore it's not going to be a thing because oil is going to be worthless because we'll have to going find to something
0: else to fight about
1: yeah like water <laughs> or food
0: well i've got a couple of quick stories that i could just read through before we finish up yeah okay no, with no, that I'll shut up
1: then <laughs> yeah, I'll just keep quiet so they stay quick stories.
0: Europe's Parliament called on the Commission Member States and Producers Tuesday to take measures to ensure consumers can enjoy durable, high-quality products that can be repaired and upgraded. At their plenary session in Strasbourg, MEP said tangible goods and software should be easy to repair and update and made a plea to tackle built-in obsolescence and make spare parts available. of EU consumers would rather repair their goods than buy new ones, according to a 2014 Eurobarometer survey, but they ultimately have to replace or discard them because they are discouraged by the cost of repairs and the level of service provided. We must reinstate the repairability of all products put on the market, said Parliament's rapporteur Pascal Durand MEP, we have to make sure the batteries are no longer glued into a product but are screwed in so that we do not have to throw away a phone when the battery breaks down. We need to make sure the consumers are aware of how long the products last and how they can be repaired. And the other quick story I thought was a fun one Friendly Arm, the maker of compact NanoPi developer boards, has released the NanoPi Neo Plus 2 for $25. This board is an update to the recently released NanoPi Neo 2, a $15 cookie size developer board measuring 40mm by 40mm or 1.6 inch with a 64 bit all winner H5 processor, 512MB of RAM, and one USB port. The NanoPi Neo Plus 2 is slightly larger at 52mm by 40mm, 2 inch by 1.6, and has two USB ports. It has the same H5 quad core A53 ARM Cortex processor. It comes with one gig of RAM and eight gig eMMC storage, NEO Plus two storage in addition to gigabit Ethernet, puts it ahead of the Raspberry Pi three on paper, and at twenty five undercuts the better known board by ten
1: dollars. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's it's really becoming as diverse as the Arduino at this point.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna have so many different choices.
1: It'll be great, especially with the IOT or the Internet of Things. Yep. It really opens up a lot of diversity. The problem is, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the more access you have of all your devices to the Internet, the more problems you have with access of your devices to the (laughs) Internet.
0: As that famous saying goes, the S in IoT stands for security. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's <laughs> I like that anyway, everyone, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at Facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, Twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and YouTube.com, you guessed it, slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email us, Glenn at Aussie Will at Aussie Tech Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au and Eric at the same place. You're going to hear Aussie Tech Heads on Aussie Tech Radio 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows, podcasts from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. Thanks for having us and listening to us crap on again for yet another week. And we'll catch you again in a week's time. I might be back. Hopefully, Will will be. I'm not sure. I'm going to be doing holiday stuff next week.
1: Depends how dead I feel.
0: But it could be possible that I'll be back as well. (laughs) So, till then, take care. We'll see you all.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.